Because I can control the weather, they call me Storm. Welcome to This Week in Nerd News, your one-stop shop for all of the pop culture you may have missed this week, brought to you by the Black Nerd Problems Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Victoria Bertine. I'm your host, Keith Ree Cleveland. And surprise, I am your host, Mikkel Snyder. (laughs) That's right, there's three of us today. Yeah, we're all here together today because it is the end of the year, theoretically, hopefully, please. (laughs) Let this be the end of the year. But we wanted to wrap things up with all of us together, because that is how this week in Nerd News is at its best. And we are going to give you our top five things that happened this year. I feel like that is a really squishy category in, like, all of the senses. Like, five good... (laughs) year. They're all a little vague, but we're going to give you lists of stuff that we liked that happened, and hopefully you will also like them. So I guess I will start us off because, you know, more talking is good for Victoria. My first one is kind of bittersweet, and that is the Black Lives Matter protests and movement. Um, I wanted to start with this one because I feel like it has affected everything in so many ways. It has affected, obviously, just general life. Um, It has affected the Black community, and it has affected the nerd sphere in so many ways. And I say this is bittersweet because it seems that for people of color, you almost have to have like a certain level of tragedy before it's allowed to register for the country writ large. But at the same time, this protest, this movement, and I say it in the present because it is still in the present and it's still going on. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I think it's good. This feels more like the civil rights movement where we're getting actual change, where we're making an actual difference, where voices are actually being heard instead of something that kind of gets lost in the news kind of milieu, right? Like, this is a thing that is still going on. We're still pushing, we're still pressing, and we're still going forward, which is absolutely huge and amazing. So that's the first one on my list because I feel like it affects everything else that's on my list. And, yeah, we should should recognize that. I mean, you're definitely right in the sense that the Black Lives Matter movement and just the general movement of social justice was the backdrop for everything that happened this year. As far as like everything that's on your list, on my list as well, and I'm sure even some cases of Mikhail's, where it was on everyone's, for once, it was collectively on everyone's minds. Now, part of that may have been because it happened right during like the first peak of a multi-peak pandemic, and people just didn't really have the distractions they could normally do and lean on themselves. Like, even people who didn't want to acknowledge, like, that racism and injustice a thing couldn't really hide like they used to because it was everywhere and there was nothing to distract them as far as work and all the other stuff goes. And because of that, like, for once, people actually more so came together and showed that we actually do have a lot of power when it comes to working together. And for once, thinking about the collective overall good versus our own independent good, our own individual good. 
And I think that, and I hope that that's going to continue to be a trend that we see. And I hope that the 2020, I think, is going to be a point that a lot of people look back on as the birth of a lot of things, whether that be creative outlets or social justice outlets or just moments in their lives that help them transform things for the better. And I like to think that for a lot of people, this is going to be the case. Look back at 2020 is when I decided to be a better person to help make the world a better place than it was when I got here. You can at least hope that really hard. <laughs> you can at least hope that really hard. Because I, I do feel you in some respect, right? Like, there have been signs that sort of, like, there are a lot of people, like, acknowledging these things and making that effort to, like, be good to other human beings. And then we've also seen evidence to the contrary of that, unfortunately, where it's just sort of, like, we just have not done basic things that could have made other people's lives better. And it's so weird thinking about 2020 in the abstract because, like, it started with Australia on fire and then it got worse. And it's just so weird because, like, again, time's squishy, right? Like, this year was so short and so long. And the fact is, is that, like, when March hit with COVID, like, that transition into all of the Black Lives Matter stuff during that entire summer, that has, like, carried forward and it's just this like constant bleed through or sort of like everything's like connected in this weird way and like the context of this year in particular is going to have those long-lasting ramifications that you talked about and i i hope it's for the better and i do think it will be for the better but it's gonna it's gonna take some work to get there but we are getting there i think I agree, and thank you for taking some of that, because I needed a break, but I think I can get through the rest of my list now. So, okay, so my second one is just anthologies in general. I feel like this has been a really good year for anthologies. The first few are kind of Kickstarter ones, so... Kickstarter has just been Banff this year. Power Magic Press has come out with a few. Queer Witch Anthology number two came out, as well as Manana, which focused uh, specifically on Hispanic and Latinx creators. Uh, Dominion put out a Black Spec Fiction uh, anthology. Black Hole Comics just got their uh, A Cold Dark Universe anthology funded. In more kind of mainstream things, we have Tales from Wakanda that is coming out, um, Star Wars from a Certain Point of View with our own Brittany, right, just came out. Um, and then even in TV, right, we see this kind of trend with Twilight Zone, Love, Death, and Robots, and then coming out soon, Star Wars Visions and American Horror Series. So just anthologies in general are doing pretty good this year. Um Hair Love and Matthew Cherry, just in general as well. Um, I just love that short. I'm so excited that it got picked up as a 12-episode animated series. I think it's going to be great. Uh, And I also think that Hair Love as a short kind of led to some of led to a normalization, right? So when we look at things like Canvas that is coming out actually is out, sorry, Canvas is out, where you have that same kind of style of artistry, telling stories without having to have a lot of talk in it, and characters getting to remain in their human form. Like, I think these are all good, and I think that Hair Love just touched so many people and kind of normalized that. This is a big one. Remembering history, right? I feel like this was a really good year for... People of color 
African Americans in specific, but but people of color in general, really taking ownership of history in their creative arts, right? Like, it's no longer a thing that we have to be like, oh, well, is someone going to let me have this in my... Like, if I reference this thing, the way that it actually happened for Black people, is my editor going to pull it, right? So we have things like the Tulsa Massacre and Watchmen, Juneteenth and Black AF, Travel in General and Lovecraft Country, um, just the terrible parallels between what we think of as like, oh, this was the worst time for African Americans and now, which is still like not a great time, um, and things like antebellum, and then just general devaluing and dismissal, which we saw with Star Wars for all of the non-white male characters, and specifically John Boyega, who has been just an absolute paragon of black communities globally, right? So this more accurate version of history is making its way into the nerd sphere and into general culture. And I think that that's amazing. I also want to point out that there are a lot of good things too that are making their way in, not just all of the bad stuff. Well, we've got some really great biopics coming up. We have Respect about Aretha Franklin. We've got the Josephine Baker possibly movie, possibly TV series that should be coming up. And the Fighting Shirley Chisholm with Denai Guerrera as Shirley Chisholm. Like, those are going to be amazing. And we've got a lot of creative spotlights. So August Wilson is getting some love in a couple of different ways with Ma Rainey's Black Bottom that just came out. And the documentary on his monologue series, Giving Voice. And then They've Gotta Have Us came out this year as well, which is another documentary series about being black in Hollywood. And it was absolutely amazing. If you haven't watched it, you should watch it. Um, So all of these things just, like, we get to tell our history and have people listen. And I think that that's great. And then my last one is just us. Like, I think it's really great. And I I saw that both of you have some stuff down there, too. So... I won't go too deep because I've been talking a lot, but <laughs> I am, I feel so amazingly lucky to have a job where my colleagues are also my friends and where my work can be part of my self-care. And I think that that's absolutely amazing. And and one of my goals for 2021 is to dive even deeper into Black nerd problems and and get into some of the other stuff that we've been doing. And so, yeah, I'm really grateful and thankful to have both of you and our Black nerd family. So So, so just just for some comedic injection right now, when I saw you listed just us as that single word, my mind thought, so like, is Victoria going to talk about Jordan Peele's movie? Yo, I thought the same thing. Of course not. <laughs> Come on. No. Too yeah. scary. I know. That's, That's why I thought it was like a change. I'm like, wait, I... like, is she just a big fan of this movie all of a sudden? <laughs> I barely made it same. through Get Out, and I have, I had to read the plot of us because it was too big of a thing in the community to not know what happened but I also knew that I could not watch it like it's just it's too scary nope 
No, yeah, I haven't even done that much, so you're better than me. I still don't know anything about the movie besides, like, I think there are doubles somewhere involved, but all right. You should... See, this is what I get. I'm trying to be nice to y'all. <laughs> no. I, I just wanted you just, to make a comment that you uh-huh. just put us and then right. like, I like yours better. <laughs> yeah. Um, just joking. And it caught me off guard. I'm thinking like, okay, cool. I guess we're going to talk about Jordan Peele for a second. Like, whoa, 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 my heart. Oh, I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> but so thank you. <laughs> I think I get to talk a little bit now, Ben. Loosen up, loosen the joints up, because we're going to start with the one thing that I talk about so consistently that we've made so many in-jokes about it that it was even in our advertisements for the show itself. Um, I, I, did, I ran the numbers uh, right before we entered into this meeting, and I am at 3,911 hours and counting in Destiny 2 and the greater Destiny franchise as a whole. And... The game has existed for six some years and it continues to bring me so much joy. And I will concede that like at the start of the year it was sort of like a rough point in the series in a lot of different ways, but it transitioned into a fantastic summer with Season of Arrivals and the Prophecy Dungeon, which are words that mean absolutely nothing to either of my co-hosts, but to me they mean everything. And then the fall winter came out with Beyond Light which has just like forever cemented everything about the series that I love and I just, I can't stop and I don't want to stop because I've made friends out of this, I've solidified connections because of this. Destiny is how I got involved in black nerd problems like tangentially, right? Like I, I had known some friends in the poetry community and that's where a lot of the founding members were like originally situated. So like that's how I met some folks, but like how I got involved was just like I played Destiny with Will Evans, and then it's just sort of like Will Evans like said sort of like we're looking for comic book reviewers and sort of like can it be me? Sort of like yeah. So sort of like okay, and now we're here many many years later. Um, so I'm thankful for the game for lots of things. I love the game so much. I won't dwell on that any more than I need to, because there are other things that my my co-host can comment on afterwards too. Um, um, the the other big highlight for my 2020 and highlight again, squishy word, um, is our reporting on the streaming wars, because like the streaming wars have been such a fascinating thing to like see develop over like the course of this podcast specifically. And the convoluted pricing and the poor interfaces aside, the streaming wars have given us so much good content in so many different ways and varieties, right? Like Disney Plus just finished delivering an incredible second season of The Mandalorian, and if you have not watched it, please do so immediately. Um, HBO Max, despite all of its shenaniganery with its uh, library shuffling that first week, has provided this hugely impressive library. It has amazing original shows, Infinity Train being on the top of that list for me. And then it has all of the shows from the DC Universe app, and I hate that it had to be the DC Universe app that had to go, but that was a thing that happened, and that's fine. Uh, Crunchyroll originals with like God of High School has been really great. Funimation exclusives like Kaguya-sama, Love is War, which I've talked about before on this podcast. It's also fantastic. Even Apple TV, something that we've joked about repeatedly and often before we actually sat down and and subscribed to it, came out with stuff like uh, Mythic Quest and Central Park, which ended up being like 
some of the greatest comedic half hours that I got to experience this year in quarantine. They were just great. You have Netflix and Hulu holding down the fort by just being a steady bastion of content. And even Amazon Prime, which is a fun sentence because I forget that Amazon Prime has stuff because it's impossible to know when things are coming out. But they had like the Psychopaths free movie and they've had like all of this CBS all access stuff available on there. So if you can navigate Amazon Prime, there's a lot of good stuff on Amazon Prime as well. I think Marvelous Maisel missed season three was this year. I don't know, time is fake. But yeah, uh, it's convoluted, it's confusing, it's messy, but it's good content from the 17 million platforms we have. Except Quibi, death to Quibi, death to Quibi. Had to get one last, one last death knell for, for that stupid, stupid app. My next thing on my list uh, is, it's a weird one to like talk about in the abstract, right? Because it's another video game and it's like Mikkel talks about more than one video game. It's like surprisingly, I'm gonna talk about two more. <laughs> so uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons kept me sane during the start of the pandemic, like a lot of us, where we just sort of all retreated into our virtual islands. But no game truly captured the repetitious survival state that I went into quite like super giant Hades and Hades is my personal game of the year it's this beautiful roguelike RPG inspired by Greek mythology where you play as Agrius and it's this incredibly immersive game with the simple intuitive hack and slash combat and multi-variable progression that is sort of like partially reset every single time but the reason that it speaks to me is that like Every run is functionally the same. You go through the exact same steps, but the core functionality is the same. And you do slightly different things, but you all end up at the same place. And then at the end of the day, you restart at this starting point, and then you just do it over, and then it does over. And if that hasn't been every single day since March, I don't really know what is. And like one of the things about Hades that really spoke to me is that like, Failure was part of the process, and the game does not make you feel bad for failing. The game actually says it's sort of like, you're still doing the thing, you are still persisting, you still have something to learn. And it's one of the most rewarding games, whether you've succeeded in escaping from the Greek underworld, or if you only made it through like the first couple rooms, like, the game wants you to keep playing, and the game was very successful at doing that. The artwork is incredible. All of the characters are honest to God first traps, especially given that all of the characters are gods. Um, and learning how you play and seeing how other people's play becomes this wonderful meditation on mastery where sort of like, I really like certain things and I've gotten good at those certain things. And then other people hate those things and they have mastered a different set of skills. So it's this really interesting uh, back and forth conversation. I love talking to people about this game. I can't recommend this game enough. It's on uh, the PC and Switch and there is cross save, so can't recommend it enough. I need to take a small break. Been talking a lot. Go for it, because I want to talk about Destiny 2, because I just want to say that I do in fact know all of your references because somehow I have ended up on the last two being the editor 
for you and Will's just like <laughs> massive, long, like chapter length essays Incredible. where you guys just talk about Destiny 2. I am the Incredible. one who edits all of those. <laughs> So I'm so sorry, but not really. <laughs> I do know most of the things that you're talking about, um, and I appreciate that level of knowledge. They are, in fact, really great articles. You guys should go and read them. Um, but also, and maybe this is just because I've been watching Phineas and Ferb, because why not? But I feel like we need to make you a real-life sash of all of your achievements that's a lot of out. Like we're coming up on four thousand, and I feel like you should just be able to like pull out a scroll or something and just like cartoon flip it, and it goes all the way the length of the room with just like achievement patches. So, so fun fact: uh, Bungie a couple years ago decided to implement their reward system, where doing in-game things gives you like physical items that you can purchase. <laughs> nice. So, I have a museum of oh like God. triumphs and things. Um, I will send pictures off because I don't want to derail the conversation <laughs> right now. I will derail it later. Anyways, back to the top five. Thank you for giving me a chance to breathe. Um, I've been trying to convince everyone I know and everyone I don't to read and watch a manga slash anime about a Japanese boy high school volleyball team as they learn to trust each other and believe in themselves. And that's actually just like the first line from like an essay I did about this like sometime this year. I think it was the summer. Time is fake. Um, who knows? Um, but Haikyuu has been my comfort food series of this year, replacing my previous comfort food food series, Shogake no Soma. And the manga of Haikyuu concluded this summer and the latest season of the anime just like ended yesterday. And I'm a nerd with no athletic inclination towards athleticism at all, but I have thrived off of the Karasuno Boys Volleyball Club, learning how to connect with each other as they just desperately try to keep a ball in the air and make sure it lands on the other side. Haikyuu is so good. Haikyuu is incredible. We've wiretapped the first season of Haikyuu. We've I've talked about Haikyuu so much, I will continue talking about Haikyuu so much. There's another volleyball series that's coming out like next week in like very early January and all I can think is of like, I need this to partially fill the volleyball shaped void in my heart that is going to be gone from Haikyuu. And I can't expect it to fill it because that's impossible, but like if it can just like, like satiate just like the tiniest part of me, I think maybe I'll be okay because I love my boys, I love Hinata, I love Kagiyama, I, I could just name the entire cast for like the number hour talking about each of the cool things they've done in the series, but I don't need to because you should just be reading and watching the series anyway. And then, and then finally, um, I think this was like just a happy incidental accident that happened where all of our lists end talking about the cool things that B&B has done. Um, but like, yeah, Black Nerd Problems, the, the organization has had like a really good year. And like from my perspective uh, specifically, like outside of like this podcast domain that we, we reign over with, with all other podcasts in our, in our library, right? Um, we started like streaming really heavily on Twitch at the very start of the pandemic since we had the time, we had the ability to. 
and we've we started out with Saturday game nights and Samurai Showdown Fridays, and now we have this consistent lineup where our editor-in-chief is playing tactics games with us as the characters, so we each get little names, and then we get tossed into battle, and then he mourns us when we inevitably fall, because that always happens. Um, Brittany moved It's a Flop to Twitch from the Instagram, and it's gotten a lot of views that way. We just had like this plethora of other games and talk show type things that we've been able to put out in this world because it's so, like we have content that we want to share and we've been sharing them. Um, we opened up our Discord to the masses this summer and we've sort of carved out a very cool, good space for nerd folks. And finally, just it's just like really cool to think about. But like our founders, Will Evans and Omar Holman had the cover reveal of the book of essays that's coming out very early next year. And it's cool to be adjacent to all of this cool stuff and to like actively participate in all of the cool stuff. Um, and it's just, it's been, it's been great seeing our outreach grow and all of the, the good things there. So that's my list. My usual tendency is to like cut myself short and like worry about the time and everything. But you know what? It's the year-end episode. I'm going to go as long as I want to and not worry about it. We'll figure it out later. Um, so to start out, something that's helped me get through the most has been just wholesome television shows. Shows that were recorded like before the pandemic was a thing that came out that they spaced out that kind of caught me off guard and surprised me and became something that I loved and consumed. The first one of which, which I'm so glad Mikhail left off of this list because we both love it and talk about it often, is Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. That show is like everything that I love encapsulated in one perfect show that makes you feel all the feelings but then smile at the end of it. Like, and for those who don't know, even though I wouldn't know how we've talked about it so much here Zoe's extraordinary place the show with the main character named Zoe starts off as someone who's very stressed out very she's a bit of an overachiever she works a lot she doesn't even listen to music and spends a lot of free time listening to NPR podcasts the freak accident that happens where she gains the ability to hear people's innermost thoughts through song which means that NBC basically gets to play all the top pop 40 hits of the past 50 years and have like background dancers and everything and this wonderful cast of talented people with amazing vocals just like break out into musical numbers four times an episode and then you get to have the wonderful bookmark of it being like some poignant emotional moment at the end where like she helps somebody's life or her own life like be that much better that's an amazing show like not only have i enjoyed that but i've had other people in my life enjoy it as well and it's something i use to connect to somebody in my life who i've met recently and like something that we now share as well and like season two comes out and let me see i think two and a half weeks or so by my count but i'm looking forward to that as well because it's like that great of a show also classic love triangle stuff it's amazing cast check that out also a show that i knew about and people told me to watch but i didn't get to for a while i'm so mad that i did was ted lasso which was co-created by bill lawrence who created the show scrubs and jason sudeikis who was the star of the show and ted lasso is possibly one of the best feel-good shows I've ever seen and it's on Apple TV plus which I did not know that I had but I do and I went ahead and watched it there anyway and Ted Lasso for those who don't know is a show where an American football coach ends up taking a job to be the coach of Premier League football aka soccer club 
in the in the UK. And the reason why he gets the job is actually not revealed in the trailer, but we come to find out it's because the new owner of the team is trying to sabotage it because it used to be owned by her now ex-husband, and it's the one thing that he loves most. But because Ted Lasso is genuinely one of the best people on the planet, he just slowly wins everyone over and also improves their lives and everything. And there are definitely some sad moments here and there too. But even those you take in stride because you're like, you know what? Good things happen to good people. Bad things happen too, but ultimately everything is very good. And also the jokes are hilarious. Like there's one joke in the show that I'm not going to do justice at all, but I still want to share it. That I rewatched like 10 times sitting at this same desk watching one day. One day, Ted is in the office talking to the owner about some kind of controversy that came up. And she's in referencing how she's talking to somebody at the Sun, as in the newspaper. So she goes like, hey, so I talked to the owner of the Sun. And Ted goes, oh, you talked to God? And she said, no. I meant the owner of the newspaper, which is just the kind of like taste of the sense of humor the show comes with and how innocent and naive Ted Lasso is. He's just somebody you just want to hug and just sit down with coffee once in a while just to make your life that much better. So those shows definitely got me through. And that's the first thing on my list that I really appreciate. Next up, I'm going to go with books. So I think last year, actually, was the first year that I made a concerted effort to read a lot more, given my adult life, because adult life happens, your responsibilities. Reading was one of the things that kind of fell by the wayside for me. Something last year I made the goal to read 10 books and I wasn't able to do so. This year I got even more optimistic and said I'm going to go ahead and read 15 books. And also when I say that, I do include audiobooks. I'm not one of those purists who's like listening to a book isn't the same. Like I want to clarify that. And congratulations to me. As of now, I have read 16 of the 15 books that I plan to do so. And that's awesome. And some of my favorites at the beginning of the year, I read Children of Blood and Bone and Children of Virtue and Vengeance by Tomi Adeyemi. And then I went on to like, and that was during pre-pandemic when I was like reading the book when I was like on the train to work and everything it was a great way to like be antisocial and introverted, but also learn during my free time. It was pretty cool. But then when I got stuck in the house and my whole reading schedule got thrown off. But luckily in the past few months, I dove back into it. And the first book I started that with was actually God Level Knowledge Darts, Life Lessons from the Bronx by none other than Jesus Himero. The two guys who I've talked about on the show repeatedly who I love because I can, I, they remind me so much of people who I knew growing up that you never would have imagined to take over the late night television by storm. Like, speaking of, they just interviewed Barack Obama like last week. That's incredible. They've really hit new heights, and I'm very proud of them, what they represent. Um, but that was a great book to dive into because it's like them in their own way giving advice. And it's hilarious because if you know the two, Mero tweets in all caps just out of habit because he did graffiti so much growing up. His portions of the book are written in all caps. Like, so you clearly know who's who when you hear it in his voice and everything. And I love that. Um, but moving on, the next books I got into, I don't know if I spoke about my love for this on this show, but I'm obsessed with the Crazy Rich Asians film. Like, it's one of the best, happiest things in the world to me because I'm a sucker that loves love and I'm always for that kind of content for sure. But also, like, it's just visually captivating and boom, representation, which I'm always here for. And I figured, you know, I'm tired of waiting for like more movies to come out, so I'm going to go back and read them. And I think I read one of each of, like three books in the trilogy, I read one a week and knocked that out. And it was a wonderful experience for me, for sure. And then I moved on to read what is currently my new favorite book. It's called The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. And this book is about, and this is a great book for this year where we currently are in life in general, and also just a good universal book. The main character's name is Nora, and the beginning of the book, her life is just pretty much as sad, depressing, and miserable as you think it could possibly be. And at some point through a series of events, she ends up in a situation where she ends up in a library 
or Fiction the Universe sort of kind of, where there are books as far as the eye can see and bookshelves that go on and on and that's it. And then someone explains to her that each of these books represent a version of your life where you made a different decision. Some are longer, some are shorter, depending on how your life played out. And basically, these books each give her an opportunity once she reads them to experience that version of life. And the catch is, if she enjoys that life and is satisfying, fulfilling, makes her happy, that could be her new life and she lives that. But the second that she gets enough disappointment where she's no longer satisfied with that life, boom, she's back in the library. She has to do it all over again until she finds a life that she finds fulfilling. And as you could expect, the moral, and this isn't even a spoiler because like the writing's on the wall, the ultimate lesson in that is that there's no life that we can live that's going to both have joy and happiness but in love, but also be devoid of unhappiness and bad things that happen. And they keep things in perspective. And it's just a matter of understanding the potential that you have in your life, making the best of it. Wonderful thing when like we're all living in this life where we're kind of just generally not in the best place because of circumstances going on in our lives. So that was a great read for sure. Um, there's plenty of audiobooks as well. But also for this last note, I want to like take a special time to shout out Goodreads, if anyone's aware of it. It's a wonderful app slash website you can use where you can list out all the books that you want to read, currently are reading, and you can even mark out like what page you're on or what percentage you're through and share with all your friends on the app. And then they also have a list of all the books that you have read. And that's how they would attract many books I read this year, make my goals, see my friends' goals as well, and all that was pretty awesome. So if you want to get on Goodreads, I'll recommend it and add me on it. We can talk about book stuff all day. That's great. And next year, I'm thinking I might be optimistic to set a goal for 20 books. But moving on, one thing that I surprisingly appreciated this year honestly was just going outside like as a perpetual homebody who only really goes outside when i have to like i started like work and like if i'm going like in normal times going to hang out with friends or whatever i'm just gonna enjoy sitting on my couch for the most part but because of like social distancing being a thing that we definitely need to do I got tired of being in my house. So I was able to like take, especially when it was warm, I'll take advantage of the creative ways to be socially distant while also being outside, which included things like going to drive-in theaters, which I had never done in my life because why would I do that at that point? But now I'm able to like just pull up my car, go and enjoy these class movies I've already seen before and just sit in my car, which is pretty awesome. Um, and also, which includes like skydiving, which I never really quite saw myself doing, but I saw it as like the most extreme socially distancing that I could possibly do. It was a lot of fun. I got pictures on my Instagram. I'm very happy I did that. And that was pretty cool. And it was just a new experience. And also just something as simple as like walking just to do so versus walking to go somewhere. You'll be surprised how much of a relaxing exercise that can actually be. Um, next on my list, number four, you get a podcast. You get a podcast. Everybody gets a podcast. With everyone being stuck inside for the most part and like microphones and like recording equipment just being a click away through our capitalist overlords at Amazon, everybody made a podcast this year for the most part. We got a lot of podcast content from a lot of people who otherwise would be busy and had amazing content as a result. For example, one of my new favorite podcasts is Fake Doctors Real Friends, which is the Scrubs recap podcast hosted by Zach Braff and Donald Faison, who of course played JD and Turk on the show and are best friends in real life. Their friendship is beautiful. And their podcast originally was just going to be them going episode by episode, just talking about the show and like what their experience was behind the scenes and that's that. But it very quickly evolved into like a group therapy session where they started to bring in the producers of the show, which names are 
Daniel and Joel and just having them be part of it more often. But also they call guests in and they have a segment called Let's Fix Your Life where it has nothing to do with Scrubs at all. They'll just like talk to Scrubs fans about what's going on in their lives, spend 15, 20 minutes talking about it and how they can help from their perspective. And just kind of everybody coming together and saying, hey, like we know life is complicated right now and it's a bit messy, but like this is some, like you could take a two, three hour break once or maybe even twice a week, just enjoy this. But also like Scrubs is a great show. We're going to talk about that stuff too and bring all the old cast people on to talk about the show and a lot more and stuff. And that's been a wonderful saving grace for sure. And more wholesome content. I don't know if anyone else is aware, but I've, like, years ago became a real big fan of the Try Guys when they work for BuzzFeed, which is four YouTube creators, um, Eugene Leong, Ned Fulmer, Zach Hornfield, and Keith Habersberger. And they just make really fun videos where they do funny things on screen, both to get laughs and make great, great content, but also to, like, educate us about parts of the world. Like, hey, these are some of the unrealistic standards that women are held up to in society. Or, like, these are the way these things are unfair. Like, we should appreciate these people more. And that stuff, they have hours of content out there now. But they also branched out in the past couple of years to make their own company. And they came up with a podcast called The Tripod. And then they doubled down by letting their partners and staff come up with another podcast called You Can Sit With Us. And I never in my life thought that I would be so relaxed listening to four white women talking about life. But that is exactly what this is. It's basically like a podcast version of The View. I take that back. It's actually much more than that. And they are far cooler than people on The View. But <laughs> that's something I look forward to every week where like, I hear the intro theme song. And I'm like, okay, you know, my problem's melted away. I'm just going to enjoy this for about an hour or so. And that's something I recently put my like, family onto as well because like they're stuck in the house as well so i'm like hey you want something to do just dive into this for hours and lastly i'm gonna follow the trend here and end on like a wonderful shout out to like our black nerd problems community and family this year among all the things that mikhail and victoria both mentioned with like just podcast and game nights and streaming on twitch and all that i also got to discover the magic that is dungeons and dragons now <laughs> D&D is something that I've always been aware of and interested in from a distance, but I didn't quite have a way in. Like, yes, I had a comic book shop that I went to, and I know they had game nights, but I didn't really know any of the people there, so just, like, dro- diving into D&D seemed a bit intimidating at the time, to be honest. But, and I also know that D&D plays a significant role in a lot of the content we get now, because a lot of the people making that content got their roots in D&D and stuff, so I definitely appreciated it and respected it, for sure, but... With the whole opening of our Discord and everything and expanding our BNP family even more, we started having, like, D&D one-shots, which has been a wonderful opportunity for me, someone who had no experience with it at all, get the opportunity to, like, create a character. By the way, I have an Earth Genasi druid named Yudon who has a giant heart and can merge with rocks and have a very have an affinity for alcohol but that's beside the point and it's a lot of fun to play with right but like i also get to bond with people on staff that i hadn't spent much time with also like people who are just in the community that know more about dnd and learn from them like i can just explore this whole new world of content out there that can definitely soak up a lot of free time which is what we need a lot more of right now and get even more invested in bnp and like all of our like friends and family and community and stuff and just get even more nerdy than i already am right so that's my list and things that helped me get through 2020 in the year that we're in and I also want to take the time to thank both of you for being wonderful co-hosts on this show it's been a joy to work with you and I'm looking forward to doing so even more shout out to Jordan shout out to everybody else on the fam and everyone else on our broadcast team just love all around a big shout out to Jordan who gets to edit this 40 minute long episode which is like the longest thing we've ever done oh yeah we love you Jordan oh yeah and also we're doing another recording right after this and it's gonna be great it's gonna be great so that was this year in nerd news um 
a special of this weekend in news. Um, if you'd like to hear our thoughts on these topics or anything else coming up in the larger nerd sphere, feel free to tweet us at Black Nerd Problems with the hashtag TWINN. Please tune in next week as we give our highlights for 2021, and then we'll be taking a one-week hiatus just so we can enjoy the holidays. But we'll be back before you know it, giving you the latest and greatest in all of the news. So I am your host, Mikkel Snyder. I'm your host, Victoria Routine. And I'm your host, Keith Reed Cleveland. Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll catch you next time. <sighs> Jordan's going to hate us so much. <laughs>